five in the eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new? Hello, and welcome to this week's Five in the Eye, episode 0026. This is me, Michael Hajuri, welcoming you from the hard shoulder of the motorway of life. And I'm Phil Woodford, helping Michael spot the news stories that are whizzing past us in the fast lane. His eyesight's not so good nowadays. So what's on the agenda this week? Thanks for your fresh eyes and those fresh legs. They're always welcome, Phil. Five in the eye. Well, at number one, it's the hot political potato of doping in sport. There are calls for the Russians to be banned from major athletic events, including the next year's Olympics in Rio, because of their their, their supposed involvement in helping athletes enhance their performance on the track. Is there any sport that's clean? Football, cycling, athletics? It's difficult to know what to think these days. At number two, we cover a fascinating piece of research which shows religious children are less altruistic and more judgmental than kids from a secular background. This will give me a chance. This will give me a chance to talk about the enlightened society, the secular enlightened society. One of my favourite subjects. At number three, we'll talk about Black Friday, the American shopping phenomenon that has come to the UK in the past couple of years. Supermarket giant ASDA has said that they're not going to take part in this year. They're not going to, be, they're not going to take part this year. Talking of customer fatigue. Given that they were instrumental in bringing it over here originally, uh, that's quite a surprising decision. And our fourth story is about the BBC. There are certain old TV shows that are deemed too politically incorrect to show anymore, but telly bosses are quite happy to sell them as downloads. Is that double standards? These shows are part of our history, so look, I'm not in favour of any sort of censorship on their part. And, And talking of the telly, our final story this week is the extraordinary news that Sky One has commissioned a reality TV show in which they they, they attempt to get a dog to fly a plane. A dog to fly a plane. <laughs> Pigs might fly before that happens, surely. And that's this week's Five in the Eye. Five in the Eye. Well, our first story this week is about the um, doping scandal, which seems to grow and grow. And we've had this report uh, from the World Anti-Doping Organization, which is... Um, damning about Russia and has actually recommended that Russia be um, suspended from athletics on the basis that the state has been actively sponsoring doping. Uh, The Russians have responded by uh, removing accreditation from a a state-run laboratory that was implicated in this. Um, I, I look at all of this, Michael, and I'm thinking, what the hell is going on with sport as a whole? We see corruption um, at FIFA, the allegations of corruption there. Uh, we see corruption in cycling with the performance-enhancing drugs that's been going on over many, many years, the, the, the situation with Lance Armstrong, and we have this business in athletics. And it just makes you wonder, to be honest, whether when we go and watch any sport on the TV or live, what are we actually seeing? That's a good question, that Phil. But, you know, I've spoken to a number of friends about this because this is just a real concern to a lot of people. And one of the arguments that came up, and I'm I'm moving towards it, it says, this is this is life. This is human beings. It's what we do. This is like the libel scandal. Mm If you talk to the guys in the libel scandal, the guys who were running it, that was their reality. They phoned each other and and rigged that market with with, with dreadful consequences, or or consequences for many people around the planet. So in the same way, these these people taking drugs or organising these um, the athletes taking drugs. Same as normality. It's the kind of it's it, it, it's what they do. It becomes almost systemic, and we're on the outside. It's not part of our reality because we still believe in that. I know the fact that that Olympia, that that Corinthian tradition in, in sport. So when we look to a hero, they are real heroes. They've they've done it against the odds, not because of some drug that they've taken. 
So it's so it's it's, it's challenging to, you know, to, to 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 on the one hand say these are bad people, but then you have to think, well, that's their reality. That's how they move in those circles. I sh that, that's the way they succeed. Now I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not I'm not saying I'm in favour of drugs, but you have to you know, one have to look at it in, in the round. I, I saw the figures for um, WADA, the, the World Authority on, on drug on, on anti doping, and I was. I was shocked. I was shocked. Do you know how much their budget is? No, Tommy. Sixteen. It was sixteen or seventeen million. Mm -hmm. And to quote, um, to quote, um, oh, his name is James Moore. He said, "That's that's the salary of one of 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 a footballer in in the, in the Premier League." Yeah, yeah. So they're not putting the money <coughs> into. But equally, the other side of the coin, the rewards these athletes get, the rewards are enormous. You know, there's one figure I saw that the Russian athletes or the um, the one who won the who won the the marathon, she 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 she, she was she was charged charged by the Russians. What was it? There was it two hundred or three hundred thousand pounds, and that was supposed to be five percent of her income. Five mm percent. -hmm. So there's a there's a lot of money to be made here. Yeah, no, there business. is. But I mean, if you're a clean athlete and you um, see that people are raking in huge sums. I mean, of course, um, if you're successful in your sport, that opens huge doors, doesn't it? Opens doors to sponsorship deals and all kinds of things. Um, if you, for instance, win an Olympic gold medal, um, maybe you become the face of a brand or something yeah, like yeah. this, and you make money yeah. out of advertising. But what if what if you what if you were the person who came second, and you discover the person who came first yeah. had been taking performance enhancing drugs? I mean, you know, I, I'm sorry, it's not good enough to say this is how people are. We we know that um, human nature means that people have a tendency towards being corrupted but surely as a society we have a duty to put in place safeguards to make that less and less likely no, no and, and i agree with you 100 percent. but the trouble is time and time again we don't do it let me let me back in the real world look at the volkswagen thing now they, they sacked the chairman mm -hmm. they brought in another chairman from porsche porsche is part of the same group and, and we oh he's supposed to, he's he's untainted by this suddenly we find out the porsche cars there's a question mark over them. In the same way, we've got um, Co, so the, um, Lord Co, and a man who I've got great respect for because he brought the Olympics here to here, here to London. We found he was um, a vice president. Uh, he's now president of the IWF. At, at the he was a vice president during during the um, a time when all this corruption was going on. Now I'm not saying that he knew about it, but if if you look at um, Platini and FIFA, you know. You're on the board of these organisations. I mean, it, do, it does imply that there's been there's been too much of a culture of of, of, of overlooking, of, of kind of ignoring. No, it's, it's, mates. It's, it's all friends. Well, together. you know, I mean, if, you know, if if people are not implicated themselves in what's going on, it must be the case that they are living in an oblivious kind of world where they are sticking their heads in the sand. Because it seems to me that this. Um, this kind of activity, the performance-enhancing drugs and so on, is endemic in a number of sports. So my question then is, if you go to watch a cycle race, what the hell are you watching? Why would I bother to go to an athletics track and watch people compete if a, a proportion of the athletes, and I don't know which ones, are taking performance-enhancing drugs? What am, what am I even watching? Because there is no fair competition between these people, is there? No, no, and, and you're right, and, and that's why drugs are bad, because you, you want to know it's a level playing field, it's fair out there. And it's also, and, and for me, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a subtext, there's a lower level in terms of for our children. 
So they can aspire. They can have champions. They can champions they believe in. They can aspire to be. And the same way we as parents, we take our kids up and down the country at all weathers to compete, to be part of that, um, on their chosen sport, be athletic, tennis or sport. And we do, we put our, our time and our money into this, into our children. And, and, and we expect that time to be respected. How is that respected? Well, the sport is clean. Now, it's not, that's not written down anywhere, but there's an expectation that we, our children, we give our children time into something which is good for them, that the people that they can look up to, that, 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 that they are true heroes. And you, when, you, when, when you look at um, Lance Armstrong, to find that they have feet of clay, yeah, that, 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 that's a dreadful thing. It's yeah. a dreadful thing. But, I mean, he, 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 you know, when you look at that, Lance Armstrong business. I mean, he left a gaping hole in the middle of cycling because he'd won these major races a number of times over, displacing the people who yeah, should, by rights, yeah. have run it, yeah. uh, to, uh, have won it. And it's almost like he's not only um, he, he's not only um, corrupted the sport, but he's taken away the rightful uh, the, the rightful victories that. People have yeah, trained their whole lives yeah, to, exactly to, to achieve. Know? And I, think, I often think of the parents who've, who've taken their kids round, cycling all, all around the country, or, 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 or in all weathers, to compete at the highest level. And if they come second, mm. and the record book shows that they come second, and then 10 years, whatever it is later. You can't recreate that moment, exactly can you? I mean, you, you, you were there, uh, you know, as um, a games maker in the 2012 Olympics. Saturday cycle. night, that, 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 that fabulous Saturday night. Well, and, 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 Just you extraordinary, know, extraordinary. You, you saw at first hand what it means to people um, to achieve that level of, 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 of acclaim. And, and it's, a, it's a magical moment for those athletes who've worked all their way for it. But as you say, five years after the event, you suddenly discover you should have got the medal. Oh, yeah, you know, terrible. I'm that'd, sorry, that'd I'm sorry. There's, there, but there's, there's, you could be awarded the medal retrospectively, but it wouldn't be the same thing at all, would but, it? But equally, equally as, as a spectator, it was, it was a, the first time I wore a Great Britain shirt. I brought a vest. Mm -hmm. I was proud to be Great Britain. And to find that, that that was a cheat, it was a deceit. Somebody, I know it isn't, no. Jessica, Mo, Greg, great people. Great yeah, people, yeah. you know? The, 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 they are real heroes to me. You know, it makes you but proud the th to but be the British. But th the thing is, you know, we, we, we want to believe that our heroes are genuine heroes. They're acting out of the best possible motives. But the problem is, the more we uncover the less certain we can be about anything. And we, we, we're getting the impression, aren't we, that it's not a few bad apples. Exactly. This is a systemic yeah. kind and, of problem. And, and, and the, the sinister thing is, they said there's more to come. There's more to, and not more, just worse to come in this, in this, in this, in this athletic story. And I just can't imagine what it can be. But I guess that, 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 that's what it is. And we'll move on to our, our next this story. Sto this story really is one that will run and run. Um, I couldn't resist that, Michael. But obviously, if you want to compete with my gags, you're going to have to take some performance-enhancing drugs <laughs> oh, before the show. You, oh, my God. You feel like you're on form today. You're on fire today. I'm going to ask for a drugs test. You have a urine test before you go in the studio now, definitely. Five in the eye. We're going to look at a story now that, that, that Phil brought to mind. I originally thought it was a bit too serious. It, it, it's about a report that's coming about, about children. And the children of our religious parents who are found not to be as moral as we thought they would be. Or, or at least, the, and the, for instance, their children think their the, 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 the children are showing empathy and, and sincerity. But, but, but in fact, they are found to be less, less, less empathetic than others. And those others are 
the non-religious, because the, the, the report compared religious families, um, Muslim and Christian, with non-religious. And if I look at the, 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 um, the, the split, the, those two religions were chosen because they were statistically, statistically significant. Because Yeah, there were small percent. groups of other religions, yeah. but they weren't enough to, 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 to be statistically significant. Yeah. There's about 1,200 kids in this. And what, 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 my takeaway was this, was about this idea of the moral compass. Because it was found that the, uh, the religious kids, the kids from a religious background, were more punitive, were more judgmental. In a yeah. sense, in a sense, that doesn't surprise me. The judgmental thing doesn't surprise me because you know, organised religions are built around a, a sort of strict set of uh, codes, if you like. Now, whether we, you know, whether, whether uh, leaving aside the issue of whether those codes are desirable or not, there's a set of rules, aren't there, attached to a religion? And so then you can imagine children who see other people not comply with those rules might make judgments about them the altruism thing is 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 more peculiar because religions would surely say and this would go for judaism islam christianity uh, all the major religions they would probably say that religion gives people that sense of moral purpose mm -hmm. it encourages people to think of their fellow human beings and to act more charitably towards them i mean charity for instance is a big theme in in the islamic religion a big theme in the christian religion in many in many religions and yet secular kids seem through this research to be out um, outperforming the, the, the oh, outperforming the, the right religious word, is, is that the right word? Is there a race here? But they seem to be more concerned. I got the sense that the kids were more concerned about their fellow human being. Not only were they concerned, but they, they would do something. Mm. Whereas the, the religious kids were aware of the problem, they, they were sensitive to it. But in terms of doing something, you know, this concept of the good Samaritan actually doing something. They, they, they were less likely to. And what was interesting, the older the kids were, the more, the, the more they were less likely to, to help, mm. less likely to, to get involved or to be concerned. So what, what, what conclusions could we draw from this? I mean, d does this argue then in favour of actually, uh, actually in favour of secularism and a more secular society that religion for a long time has been claiming the mantle of, of, of you know, ca of the, uh, if you're religious, you're caring, if you're religious, you're altruistic, and actually yeah. th this needs to be challenged? Well, I don't think it's as simple as that. We're going to stop religion. It's more, it's more complex than that because I think one informs the other. Mm. The fact that we are nominally a Christian society, we have those, those values that we look to, that, that we, how we interact with one another, that they are rooted in those Christian, those Christian traditions. And it's a question how we deliver them and how consistently we deliver them and the methods we deliver them. I think that's what we're talking about here. We are still... Uh, we still have a respect for each other. We still, we still, have some, we, still we, we still hold each other in regard, and that respect and regard comes from the Christian background. And I guess the secular side of it adds another layer onto it, makes it more, a bit more scientific I mean, you, in the way you, we do it yeah. and understand how we do it. But I mean, it. you could argue, couldn't you, that the UK is really one of the most secular societies in the we whole are, in yeah, the whole yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and, it, and then if that, so, what puzzles me a little bit is if if we say that secularism is related to greater altruism, which is what this study seems to show. Potentially, but, yeah, yeah. Why isn't Britain the most caring, sharing, altruistic society? I mean, we've got a Tory government that no, that's no, cutting no, the, no, cutting no, the Welfare okay. bills. And I, 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 whenever we have these um, these earthquakes around the world, 
We're always, we're always the first and one of the, one, of the, one of the biggest givers, if not the biggest well, giver. Yeah, but we'll vote for a government that's cutting people's tax credits and and and, and leaving oh. disabled people without carers. Okay, right? I mean, okay. So, so, the, the so what's, what's, wrong, what's wrong with this? But, but the secular dilemma. But let's that, that, be upfront here, Phil. What, once we realise the impact of this um, of these um, tax credits, there's been a groundswell even on the Tory side. So there is the, the nasty party. You know, does have a heart, maybe very small and hard. But it still never. It has a heart. It still has a heart. But, I'll get my magnifying glass out. Yeah, <laughs> you're too hard, Phil. You're too hard. But but this concept of 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 your moral compass does it come from a religious society or a secular society? I would I would believe one informs the other. The dominance of one over the other depends on on the particular circumstance. But nevertheless, it's it's not it's not as easy as saying no no. It's not as easy as saying we should ban religion. So no, I I, I think this report says a lot, but at the same time. Secularism and religion have their part to play. Five in the eye. Well, our third story this week is um, all to do with supermarkets and shopping frenzies and Christmas. I've noticed that uh, it's already Christmas in lots of places, and you can buy your favourite shop. Pret is selling their Christmas sandwich already, Michael. I can't so, believe that. Um, can't believe, you know. although there seems to be more cranberry in it than there is turkey. <laughs> but um, anyway, the, um, the the one of the big uh, changes that we've seen to shopping culture in recent years was the introduction of so-called Black Friday. And as you reminded me before the show, um, the, the origins of this was historically this was supposed to be the day when retailers turned a profit for American the first time. Retailers, American, American retailers. American retailers. It's yeah. a fabricated American day. It's a made-up day. But it's a day to sell stuff, to do stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's a marketing sorry, ploy. It's American imports. Yeah. And I'm sick of sick sick and tired of American imports. I'm thinking of the proms. You know, back in my day, yeah. we, we had school discos. Right. The, you know, oh, you mean, yeah, yeah. Dance. So you're talking, I'm talking just Halloween. Yeah, There's yeah. people knocking on doors, trick or treat. These are imports. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. What well, happened to Bonfire Night with the bottle? You, know, you yeah, bought yeah. out the guy, pennies for the guy, Mr. Yeah, yeah. You know, come on. Yeah, yeah. Bring yeah. it on. Yeah. I don't want these imports. And Black Friday. Well, is sorry, it? Bring it on. Well done, Asda. Well done. Is it? Is it more like a tenner for the guy these days? Probably is, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, you've got you've got an interesting issue here, which is that Asda was actually one of the companies that was instrumental in bringing this Black Friday concept to the UK. Asda's part of Walmart, yeah, that's one correct. of the biggest company, one of the biggest companies in the world, yeah. and it's American. Yeah, yeah. So I guess they're going against an American parent. So again, big up but, to Asda. But like Mrs. W last year, she was down at the um, the I Black mean, Friday sales. Embarrassing. Oh my god! And, and she was trying to pick up bargains, and she and she did she, get some was Christmas. Get trampled on? Did she get trampled? Well, no, she didn't foot? seem to get into a fight. She's a very respectable lady, Mrs. Oh, w. Didn't I'm get into. Sure, I'm sure she is. But do, sure do you think is. that the, the... Well, I know she is. I know she is. Yeah. Do you, do you think that, you know, the, the supermarket's pulling back from this? It actually is a reflection of the fact that there were some ugly incidents, weren't no. there? There was fighting. There was no, no, there no. was there was all kinds of shenanigans. And, and and to be honest, the store staff were left in the lurch, weren't they, last year as fights broke out at midnight and one o'clock in the morning? No, let me be up, let me up front. I, I believe it's just a cynical... Marketing decision. We don't need Black Friday anymore. Was it Black Tuesday? Was it called Black Friday? Don't need it anymore because you hear to hear first. This is going to be a bumper Christmas. It's a bumper Christmas. All this, all the, all the, all the, all the stats are saying this is going to be a record Christmas. So they don't need it, and they, and it's a fabrication. It, 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 it's an introduction. It's something which, which, which a fabrication which which gives them bad publicity. If you see some of those pictures of people scrabbling to get a television. 
you know, a, a, a television the size of Texas for two for Tom's mm. and they're fighting. I got it first. That is not a good advert for anybody. But you know, the very fact that it happened last year and we did get large crowds and we did get fights doesn't that show that Britain is a highly consumerist society and actually people are looking for these kinds of no, bargains? No, no, fight the opposite. It's just what a poor system. We're desperate for bargains. <laughs> we're absolutely desperate. You know, we've got to camp all night to get a television. Come on, give us a break. And I'm, I, you know, I don't. It, you know, it, it, it says more about us as a society. We're desperate. You know, we're, we're so poor. We can't afford a telly. Or we want, no, it, it does, it, it's, it's not a good thing. People scrabbling to buy tele. Te so we're not going to shed any, any tears if Black Friday is not such a big event this year as it has of been. Of course not. In, in the same way, I, I would do away with proms. You know, these, these expensive frocks and boys getting dinner suits. In my day, you just, you know, you, you, you combed your hair, washed your face, you went down the dance. That yeah, was it. Down the school disco. Exactly, yeah. but, but, exactly. But, local, local DJ. One, one thing. Very I've, nice, very you know, nice. But you mentioned also Halloween, and I think Halloween is something uh, that has now taken off in such a huge way in the UK. There's no way that even Michael Owajuru, <laughs> uh, through his pronouncements on Colourful Radio, is going to stop. Halloween. Uh, I, you know, you're, I, I, I regrettably, you're so like because you go to the go to the shops on Halloween time, as there again, and you got mile upon mile of 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 Halloween related stuff. Yeah, first of November it changes to Christmas, doesn't just, it? It's it's like, just, the stuff is just gross. And guess where it all, it all comes from? Um, China. All, exactly, all yeah. made in China, and they're just tacky, tacky. And also, you know, they, all, they also look so dangerous. So they put in some of these some of these onesies and made it just dangerous material. No, I'm saying the whole thing, Halloween, stop it now. Enough. In the same way, proms, stop them now. Enough. Go back to bonfire nights with your with your with your, uh, with your, your guy and your prom. With your, you just go and you just get a washing all around the disco. Well, well, you're a guy who obviously harks back to the olden times. No, not the olden times. That was that. Was, that's what, that's what we do in Britain. We don't have proms in Britain. We're never part of our culture. I'm sorry, mate. Well, it, it ain't half hot, Mum. was part of our culture. And so was Dad's Army and Forty Towers and a whole range of 1970s-style comedies. And our fourth story this week is the news that um, the BBC is selling downloads quite happily of these rather politically incorrect sitcoms know, and so on from the 1970s. Today... But back, day, day, so, yeah, yeah. back in the day, yeah. th th it was reality. Oh yeah, it was the norm. But um, and we all grew up watching this stuff. But now we look at it in a slightly different light. But isn't there something a bit hypocritical about the BBC saying, on the one hand, we wouldn't show some of this stuff on the TV now because it's um, it's not acceptable anymore. But we're quite happy to profit from selling downloads at one seventy nine a time. Quite happy to profit. I think you've been a bit. I've been disingenuous there as well. A bit disingenuous. Let, let me let, let me tell you why. Yes, they are. They're, 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 those were of their time. They were they were records. They were text that can be looked back in years to come. And you could, you, you could look at society because they were part of the art of the day. In the same way, the newspapers, in the same way, the paintings, and the TV, and the, the films, all reflected today. Just as equally today, if you look at TV, it reflects our times. So you can't rewrite the times. 
So you know what they are? And so, and so they're right not to show them today because we're, we live in a, we're not homophobic anymore. We're not, we're not racist anymore. We're, we're gender neutral. You know, Benny Hill. We, could he, mm. we, couldn't, that, we wouldn't have, that would last two seconds. You know, just, well, I, mean, totally I, 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 like to, I like to think genuinely not many people would find it funny, to be honest. It's exactly. What the hell is that? What's that all about? Exactly. It's, it's interesting how things that, things that we find amusing change so radically over time. One, exactly. one, of the, one, of the, one of the things I would say, you know, I'm, I'm not great on huge British institutions that have stood the test of time but one one institution that really does deserve some accolades is 40 Towers because actually you can watch 40 Towers Ooh, yeah, today yeah, yeah, yeah. and it is still fun it, it, it is still funny but there's lots of stuff from that era which to be honest is no, no. Is, is really difficult to find no, no, funny no, okay, in the modern no, okay. age and you're talking about that one episode the major and, and, and there the, was and the, 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 there is an episode the BBC um, don't show anymore and the reason they don't show it is because um, the character the major who yeah. people remember as an old buffoon who lives yeah. at the hotel um, he um, he uses a racist word and um, that they won't they won't show that they did they did experiment with cutting that scene out and yeah, so on but eventually they decided no they'll cut their losses and just won't show that that episode at all I mean 40 towers is something that does actually have some kind of cultural value to the UK, isn't it? And so it does seem quite harsh, but at the same time, you know, times have changed, and 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 we we've we've maybe got to accept that people would not find it acceptable. No, no you're, you're right. I would, I would agree with that. That's a that's an instance of where where you've got to take a val literally a value judgment on this whether it's appropriate because that, that character, the major, was of his day, literally the Colonel Blimp, you know. It's if it, gin and tonic, yard arm, and all. Yeah. Morning, forty. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, of a tradition. It's 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 a generational thing. It's a generational thing. Now, is it good that we should expose a young younger people today who are not aware of that? Because it, it's a generation thing. Now we've moved on since Faulty Towers. So it's a whole generation of, new, of young kids now who have no who have who are not aware of that of that character as such. The, you know, mm. the, 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 the archetype that he represented. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because because we don't read Biggles anymore. You know, or yeah. the. Uh, or Richmond Crompton, those old old mm. authors, that character is gone out of, of literature, or current literature. So it would be a shock to them. Now I guess us oldies, you know, we'd, we'd see that in context. We'd see it in context, but I guess the younger people wouldn't see it in context and would be offended. So you have to go back, do you want to offend? No, well then you don't have it on. I, don't, mm. I, think that, I, I, I actually think we're in agreement on this one, which is the stuff that we wouldn't show on the TV today, but it does have a place in a historical sense, and if people want to be able to watch it and access it, uh, there's definitely. no reason to censor it. I'm, I'm looking forward to Muffin the Mule. <laughs> Muffin the 1950. I'm sure it seems like yesterday to you, Michael. I want to download it, and I'm going to do what? What's that word? I'm, what's that word? I'm going to binge watch. Binge watch. That's binge in the watch. dictionary now. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to binge watch Muffin the Mule. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. So no, I think the BBC bring it on. Good on them. Five in the eye. And our final story this week is uh, another television story because Sky One <laughs> is apparently in the process of filming a show in which they teach a dog to fly a plane. Yeah, you heard it here first, folks, on uh, Colourful no, Radio's no, Five no, in the no, Eye. No, I'm going to say, teach a dog to fly a plane. No, listen, they've, let, they've heard my one joke, the one joke that really, that really made me smile when I, when I read this story. I'm going, to, I'm going to share it with you now, that one joke. You ready for this? You're not going to, I'm ready, I'm bracing myself. You're ready, you're you know, yeah, you should, you should have a dog on the cockpit with, with, with the pilot. And the job, the, the, the pilot's job is to feed the dog. Yeah? And the dog's job 
is to bite the pilot if he touches the controls. Because we don't need pilots these days. That's what needs is auto fly by wire. Because I remember when I was a kid, I, I wanted to be a jet pilot. Mm-hmm. But I, I couldn't be a jet pilot because I wore glasses. Right. And, and ever since then, I've, I've had this table. We, well, don't, you, we you, don't need pilots. I've now you know? got an image of you in the red arrows or something <laughs> exactly, like this. Exactly. I've got, you know, I wanted to be a jet pilot. And so then I've always been... I've, but ever since I've been grown up, I always think we don't need a pilot in a plane. What would fly by wire and all that kind of stuff? And now we've got drones, so we don't need jet pilots. Well, so I mean, you that film? actually, then, then what you're what you're arguing is we might as well have a dog in the cockpit. Exactly, exactly. Um, exactly. You know, Bring because, on the dogs. B- b- because all they needed to really do is just switch on the autopilot, turn it off again, and, 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 and that that exactly. that'll be it. Exactly. I remember being. You don't want it without that need for speeds, you know. I feed the need, the need for speed, all that. That was like Tom Cruise and the fighter. I was, I went to see. I was, I was fuming. I, I was dead jealous of all those. In the sense that we don't need these guys anymore. We just send a couple of drones over to to bomb these people. So the so these fighter pilots are superfluous. So that joke, the dog and the uh, the dog and the pilot. It resonates for me. So this story, I'm sorry, Phil. I do you think, I mean, the, the thing that really struck me about this story when I first read it, you know, is, well, the two things. First of all, um, how far can reality TV, there is no limit. Is there's, there's, there's kind of this genre of reality TV where people make up the name of the show first and then they think about <laughs> exactly. what, what will fill it the afterwards. The format comes afterwards. The yeah. format comes afterwards. Yeah. And, and then I was thinking there's this conversation between the TV producer and the Civil Aviation Authority and it's something like, yeah, we've got this show and would you no, mind clearing no, don't it? Don't tell me you have got two dogs. You're two dogs to fly the plane. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you need a you need a co dog, wouldn't you? <laughs> Definitely, um, just in case the, uh, that the surely civil aviation rules would require you to have two dogs in the cockpit in case one of them had a heart attack or something like that. Oh my god! Um, listen, listen, my other joke here. So I've got. I have to, I have to, I have to telegraph my jokes. This yeah, yeah. Telegraph. You know, pigs will fly. If dogs fly. <laughs> okay, um, I think we'll pause at that point and we'll... Uh, we'll you probably we'll, think I'm barking, don't you? <laughs> I don't think our listeners can take any more. Five in the eye. The next, time you, the, the next time you get on the plane, make sure there's no barking noise from the cockpit. We hope you've enjoyed our coverage of the news and that you'll join us again next time. We broadcast every Friday morning between 9 and 10 on Colourful Radio. If you miss it, the repeat is at the same time the following Monday. And you'll find the previous ep- you'll find previous episodes on the Colourful Radio website at, at, at five number five in the eye dot co dot uk. And if you want to get in touch, the email is Michael and Phil at five number five ITE dot co dot uk or tweet us. Our handle is at five number five in the eye. So this is Phil Woodford saying thanks for listening. Hope you can join us again soon. And it's goodbye from me, Michael Obituru. And if you have been, thanks for listening and have a great week. Bye. Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new?